Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. The term femtech is often used to describe businesses that leverage technology to address the unique health needs of women. With its first unicorn in 2021, this sector has seen major growth in the last five years. And as the healthcare industry continues to grapple with the overturning of Roe and an increasing focus on equity, is only projected to keep growing. I'm here with Dynamics' Diana Caritza, Jen Peretti-Fox, Sherry Robbins, and special guest Daphne Petrick from Hello Gina to discuss the latest trends in femtech and what it could mean for women's health going forward. Welcome, Daphne. We're so happy to have you on the podcast, especially during Women's History Month. Thanks for having me. Could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about Hello Gina and how you are working to improve women's health? 75% of women and people with vaginas experience pain during intercourse at some point in their life. But for one in five, this is not an isolated incident, but a recurring problem with direct implications on their mental health and cervical health. The majority of those affected are left to their own devices regarding care. This is mainly due to misdiagnosis and the inaccessibility of treatments. So in other words, getting correctly diagnosed takes years. And once you do get a diagnosis, you're either placed on a wait list to meet with a specialist or offered solutions that cost thousands of dollars. So Hello Gina is an evidence-based self-guided program that was developed to help people with vaginas overcome unwanted pain during intercourse. It acts like a sex coach, therapist, and personal trainer all wrapped into one. And it combines cognitive behavioral therapy elements with pelvic floor exercises. We've conducted randomized controlled trials, and it was shown to reduce genital pain and improve sexual satisfaction in just 12 weeks. Thanks, Daphne, for telling our listeners just a little bit about Hello Gina. I personally just love this organization's scientific approach, the holistic approach, where it's not just a technology-based solution, but it wraps in some of those cognitive pieces and just the unmet need that it's really looking to solve. When you were talking about some of those statistics around just the prevalence of these challenges for people with vaginas and the unmet need in terms of even once they can find the right diagnosis to get these therapies, it really seems like it's solving a big problem out there and one that's not talked about enough. Diana, I know that you worked with Daphne and Hello Gina as part of Dynamics partnership with Duke's Innovations in Healthcare program. What was it that excited you most about this project? What excited us most about this project was the ability to focus our efforts pretty exclusively on femtech, right at the intersection of crucial healthcare areas, women's health and digital therapies. For a while, women's health was considered only a niche, and I'm using air quotes here. It was a niche investment category, which is crazy because women represent 50% of the general population, 60% of the workforce, and 80% of all healthcare decisions are made by women. Investments are on the rise now, but we've still got a long way to go. Overall, investments in women's health still remains underfunded. According to a McKinsey report in 2020, beyond breast cancer, female health conditions received just 1% of pharmaceutical funding. And beyond that, non-cancer related women's conditions got a mere 
2%, whoop-de-doo, of medical tech funding, which is just not enough, not enough in any capacity. It was exciting for us to work with Daphne and Hello Gina to be able to progress advancements in healthcare for women. And hopefully we'll continue to see increasing investments into femtech in general, addressing the vast health inequities, which I know is something that's been on Jen's radar. The health equity gap for care is something that has been top of mind for me. And honestly, is really a key reason why I was so interested and excited to work with Daphne and Hello Gina and the partnership. In our conversations we've had with Daphne previously about Hello Gina and women's sexual wellness, we conversed about the impacts of the way the world views and speaks about it and how it directly impacts those with conditions such as vaginismus, which for listeners who may not know is the tensing of the pelvic floor muscles and dyspareunia, that is pain during intercourse. So just to highlight there, that's something that is one group of things that people may not be talking about or may not feel comfortable talking about. And I really believe that that lack of equity and attention has a real domino effect because society can impact everything from the first step of acknowledging that you might be experiencing something to diagnosis and then eventually treatment. And often women are afraid to discuss topics, right, related to sexual health, especially because of the taboo that society places on even discussing our bodies, let alone seeking treatment for these things. I really believe that if we don't discuss things like this, it's hard to know what's even happening with our bodies and what's happening with our minds, let alone to begin to seek care. And Unfortunately, I feel like that just continues a cycle of women not necessarily getting the care they need. And I know Daphne has kind of talked about before the number of people that probably experience this versus the number of diagnoses that people have. It's really jarring to think about that. It's something that I think that we can change. And I think a lot of times too, the societal shame with talking about something is one thing, but also that breeds feeling alone, right? Something's unspoken. You might think that you're the only one experiencing this and that's just an isolating feeling. And I just don't think it has to be that way. I'm really excited that we're having this discussion because I really believe that talking about and shedding light on topics such as this, and especially some of the inequity in Women's History Month, I think all of these things together are really maybe one step in the direction of getting us to where we need to be and putting female health in the focus of society. I think Femtech can help to make all of this more acceptable to discuss and to seek and use healthcare. I couldn't agree more in the case of Hello Gina and painful sex. I mentioned that one in five statistic, but when we looked into it in 2021, there were only 19.5 thousand diagnoses. So when we talk about a healthcare gap, a sexual health gap, it's massive. And that's where Hello Gina came from being an idea into almost an imperative or a duty. I love that description, Daphne, as an imperative or a duty. When you think about what we all need to do in having the healthcare conversation, I think in consulting, we talk about what gets measured gets done. And I think in healthcare, what gets talked about gets looked at, gets examined. And that can be on the personal level of being able to feel comfortable having that conversation with your healthcare provider, but even on the industry development level, right? If we can continue to treat women's health as a taboo or a niche, you know, inappropriately, right? 
the investment dollars might not go there in terms of clinical research, in terms of solutions for some of these challenges, because it's not in the public eye as much. It's not top of mind. And I think the more that we can talk about these gaps, the more that we can talk about these conditions that for so long were considered quote unquote taboo or quote unquote niche, we'll be able to really start moving the needle forward. And I think we've we've started to see some, some positive trends in that direction. I was reading recently that Femtech Ventures pulled in just around $1.16 billion in funding last year. And the industry itself is projected to be worth $103 billion by 2030. Sherry, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about some of the trends we're seeing in this space beyond just this explosive growth. I find it truly unbelievable how femtech has exploded across the globe and how the market is predicted to continuously increase. What we've seen is that firms focused on areas like gynecology, fertility, and maternity have gained the most traction as they look to reduce the healthcare spending gap between male and female workers. I recently found some current data that shows women of childbearing age incur health expenses that are more than 80% higher than men. And companies know they need increasingly large budgets for services like prenatal care, maternal, and pediatric care if they're going to retain women in the workforce. Interestingly, though, there are specific areas of increasing investment or tagged areas to watch, including things like menopause, hormone literacy, which is huge right now, as well as mental health. As Daphne shared, a big differentiator in the space are companies like Hellogena that have a unique offering that combines both clinical and mental health support for women. What's great is as we continue to evolve in this space and expand the on-demand healthcare options that all this technology provides, it puts so much more control in our own hands. The fact that Hellogena is entirely digital and also has evidence to back it is unprecedented. And we often talk about snake oil. There's a lot of misinformation happening. And we talk about unexplored science when we think about women's health, because there's so much that we don't know concerning endometriosis, concerning menopause management, concerning sexual dysfunctions. And We don't even know how big the problem is. We don't know how expensive it is, and we don't really know how to fix it. And this is where it's really important to bring evidence at the same time as innovation. The fact that we can add to the ecosystem of care via digital tools that are evidence-based is also, in my opinion, a great way to get people into the system. In the case of vaginismus or painful sex, you're dealing with a very strong stigma and also very low provider literacy on on the topic. And the fact that someone could just go online and sign up for a program that helps them achieve their personal goals can maybe get those 20% of people that are actually just coping with avoidance. We're looking at so many people, people who are affected are not speaking up because they're not even aware that what they have is very common and also that they can overcome it. These tools can really be there to empower, but in terms of reaching health equity, we also need 
treatments to come out and research to come out and show this is really common. This is really prevalent. And also this is really expensive. And this is where I'm really excited that funding is coming in because it's not only going to lead to innovation that bridges the gap, but it's going to finally help us publish that information and data that we need to showcase, to illustrate the problem. That's what I'm really excited about. Such great points about being able to empower women, right? With information, with the tools, because in healthcare, we talk a lot about customer-centered care or patient-centered care. And it's really hard to take care of yourself if you don't even know what you should be looking for. So I love that some of the investment we're seeing in this space is really on not just the quote unquote tool or solution or treatment or technology, but it's also on educating women and empowering them to really be able to be informed advocates for their own healthcare. And some of the points that Sherry made earlier about where investment in the space is shifting. I love the evolution to this more holistic picture of women's health. We're not just our reproductive organs or our menstruating conditions in terms of what the focus should be on. And I keep coming back to some of those statistics that were shared at the top of the episode about even on the clinical side, where, where are the dollars in terms of investment outside of, you know, looking at things like breast cancer, or other oncologic therapy areas. And to Daphne's point, it's not just about the tech solutions. It's also about the science, about the data, about making sure that we have that full picture of what is going on in women's bodies, what is going on in these health conditions over time. You talked a little bit about some of what Helogena is doing in this specific area related to women's sexual wellness at the time. But I'm curious, Daphne, how do you see femtech companies like Helogena really helping to move the needle when it comes to women's health equity overall? In the end, Helogena is a one-stop solution. And there's an over-reliance on the customer to educate themselves and advocate for themselves in order to reach their goals. And while that's great, I think we can also live in a world where they're guided there. And this will happen by collaborating with similar-minded brands, innovators, but also by integrating into healthcare systems. A big aspiration of ours is that one day we can be recommended or even prescribed by doctors to get coverage so that it's not the person paying, but actually insurance. And so the future I would want to live in is one in which women's health is not something that you Google on your phone at 11 p.m., but rather something that you are confident the system is taking care of, whether it's menopause, whether it's your sex life, whether it's your mental health, having something and a holistic approach that considers your mental health and your cervical health and your hormones simultaneously. The second you said Googling at 11 p.m., I was like, yes, I I have been there (laughs) more recently than I'd like to admit probably, right? And so I think, honestly, that's really relatable to so many people, even beyond women, right? And I think in general, that's such a great goal to get to a point where that isn't necessary 
you have a menu of options that you're educated on. And maybe it also our education changes at younger ages for women to grow up with this knowledge a bit more as well, because our bodies don't change in our 20s, right? <laughs> Things happen really throughout our entire lives. And again, not just purely menstruation or reproductive things are happening too. There's so much more. So really, really excited to hear about that, Daphne. And I, I completely am excited to see what happens with Halogena in the future. I do want to pause just because I feel like we can't have this conversation without really acknowledging the importance as we talk about health, health equity and femtech to acknowledge that there are some limitations and femtech innovation as exciting as it is, it can't be seen as this magic pill or magic key to making women's healthcare more equitable. Investment and growth needs to be complemented by robust policy and structural safety nets to support women's health overall and to make sure that the industry doesn't cause additional harm to women and people who need this care. I really believe that it's critical to approach this from several angles and efforts and that the need, emphasize the word need for intersectionality, is acknowledged and considered every step of the way. Especially, I think we can all acknowledge with our fragmented healthcare system, innovative technology, it's just not enough to address systemic inequities, especially in healthcare that cause disproportionate sexual health outcomes, but honestly, general health outcomes for women, particularly BIPOC, low-income, or LGBTQ communities. I really want to underline that point. This is really important to have as a part of every conversation when we're talking about health equity. Technology, telehealth platforms are super exciting, but there are, of course, valid concerns of inclusivity and accessibility for underrepresented individuals. And a quote I have that really resonated with me recently from an article from the Public Health Advocate at University of California, Berkeley, Dr. Rachel Logan quoted saying, when considering femtech's role in improving reproductive health, we have to ask, who is it being designed for? Who is asked to come to the table to design and create technologies and whose issues are valid? That really sat with me. And I really think that those and among other questions are really highly important questions for us to consider and everyone to consider for femtech's role and overall the rest of healthcare policies that are created and the system as a whole. And one thing I just want to add, because it really resonated with what you said, Jen, is you mentioned systemic inequalities. Systemic inequalities need systemic approaches. They need overarching approaches that address multiple areas. In the case of Halogena, for me, what's most important is also resolving this issue of access. I talked about this 19.5 thousand diagnoses. I'd love to learn more about who those people are. But if there are any parallels with endometriosis, for example, people of color are systemically underdiagnosed. And I suspect it will also be the case for vaginismus patients or anyone suffering with sexual pain. That's why our company organizes free support circles that allows individuals to ask anonymous questions. And really our objective here is to provide a low threshold access point for people wherever they come from who might be dealing with a stronger stigma in mental and sexual health. Really our approach here is to try to be as accessible as possible and reduce that threshold 
And at the same time, make sure that in the product development and in the feedback loop, we include a very diverse set of individuals. That's really great to hear, Daphne, about the efforts that Hello Gina is taking to make it a really inclusive experience from the outset, from the design phase of this and as your company looks to grow and scale. And I just want to thank everyone for joining me here today in this conversation. It has been really exciting to hear about the progress, really empowering to have this conversation with such a powerhouse group of women, especially women leaders in the femtech space like Daphne. So I just want to thank all of you for joining me here today. And for our listeners that are interested in learning more about Hello Gina, please be sure to check out the link in our show notes. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.